When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Let me just say, after Vera distorting the belt, they're proclaiming the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. Hi, everybody. Good evening or good morning, rather. Welcome to Monday and May the 15th, 2022. Hope everybody had a 2023. Hope everybody had a great weekend. I know I did. Welcome to the Captain Lou Extravaganza on uh, the Captain Lou Sports Network. We are powered up by Belly Up Sports, and uh, we invite you to uh, join us here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time as we'll get you up to date on what's going on in the world of sports. We got a lot to talk about. You can find us on our YouTube channel, the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube, as well as you can find us on our Facebook page, which is uh, the Captain Lou Extravaganza, or also on our uh, on our Twitter handle, which is at the Real Captain Lou. Or again, as I mentioned, uh, you can follow us on my personal page at Lewis Gamlin. Drop me a line as well on. Uh, my email page, which is uh, sweetlou1965 at yahoo.com. And again, we are powered up by Belly Up Sports. Check out our website, bellyupsports.com, as uh, we've got our complete list of podcasts that we have throughout the week, throughout the year, covering all the sports that you can think of, from lacrosse to Major League Baseball to the Stanley Cup playoffs, pro wrestling, you name it. We have got it all handled here on uh, bellyupsports.com, and also check out the latest article on these sports that are going on with our great group of writers, the guys and gals, do a wonderful job here on Belly Up Sports, covering all the sports in print, on social media, and, of course, on our podcast. So we invite you to check all those out as well. want to thank uh, Chase Thornton for having me on um, the uh, his Fantasy Live sportscast yesterday morning, talking wind tolls in the NFL. We will... Later on in the show, give you our NFC North projections for win totals. And it may surprise you a little bit when you look at the schedules. Now, I know it's May 15th and everybody's got their own opinion. Everybody's optimistic. But I'm going to give you my take on uh, see with uh, you know the win totals in the NFC North with the Lions, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Packers. And like I said, they may surprise you as well. Also, we're going to talk about uh, the NBA playoffs, obviously, the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, with Philadelphia collapsing again, Doc Rivers not being able to come through in the clutch again in Game 7, and uh, Joel Embiid placing the blame on everybody else but himself. We'll talk about that. Also, we'll talk about the uh, Lakers. They pushed through the Golden State Warriors the other night. Now they're in the Western Conference Finals starting tomorrow 
against the Denver Nuggets, which should be a great, great series as well. And then we'll talk about the Eastern Conference final matchup now. It's Boston and Miami. And uh, can Miami keep that improbable run going? Or is Boston primed for another trip to the NBA Finals? Stanley Cup playoffs, Vegas. They dispatched of Edmonton in six games, winning convincingly last night. Jonathan Marsha Salt with a hat trick, a natural hattie in the second period. And uh, obviously they're the better team. Make no mistake about it. So Vegas, they go on to take on the winner of tonight's Game 7 between the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. That's going to be a good matchup. We'll preview Game 7 in the Western Conference Final and also uh, take a quick look ahead at the Eastern Conference Final matchup. It's set. It's the Carolina Hurricanes who took care of the New Jersey Devils in five games. They're going to take on the upstart Florida Panthers. Paul Maurice's squad, the rat squad, if you will, they easily took care of Toronto in five games. Uh, Toronto, where do they go from here? You know, all the talent that they've got, they can't seem to put it together. They don't have that winning edge yet. And I don't know if they're reading their own press clippings or counting their money, whatever. But, you know, for if you're a Toronto fan, I, I feel bad for you. I don't know what else that the uh, Maple Leafs can do. You know, they've got all this young talent. Now do you keep it? We'll talk about that a little later on as well. We want to uh, remind you that uh, we are brought to you, as always, here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza on uh, the Captain Lou Sports Network by MahlerBros.com. Check out their website. If you want to look good on the golf course, that you know what I always say, if you look good, you feel good. You feel good, you'll play good. And no better way to do that than to go to MahlerBros.com. Use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off your first purchase or your purchase. That's uh, MahlerBros.com. Use the promo code BELLYUP for 15% off. Uh, your purchase. So again, we want to thank them for being a sponsor here on Belly Up Sports and also on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. Again, it's Monday, May the 15th. Glad you could be with us here this morning. We got a great show planned for you. Got a great week lined up on Wednesday and Friday. We've got some great guests coming on the show. Folks that have been on the Captain Lou Extravaganza on a few episodes and we are looking forward to uh, reaching out to them. We'll uh, tell you a little bit more about that as well. A little bit later on in the show. Well, let's get going. Let's start talking about the NBA playoffs first and foremost. Game seven last night, the only one that uh, went on in the second round of the NBA final or the NBA second round, and it was Philadelphia and Boston. This has been a rivalry renewed, if you will, from back in the 80s when it was a little more cutthroat, in my opinion. It just, I don't know, with the players. Getting along, you know, a lot of them sharing the same agent now. They hang out more in the offseason. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It just doesn't seem like the hated rivalry that it may have been back 30 and 40 years ago or whatever, back uh, when I was younger. But uh, they got together for a seven-game series. Philadelphia had a three-games-to-two lead, and it looked like they had Boston by the jugular in game six with uh, Jason Tatum, pretty much a no-show for the first three quarters of game six. Well, he came alive in game seven, and boy, did he, or in the fourth quarter of game six, um, helping Boston get over the hump in Philadelphia to force a game seven. And man, oh man, did he take command. What was it? 56 56, I believe, in the third quarter. And a little back and forth, you know, it, it looked like Boston or Philadelphia may, you know, be able, you know, they were hanging with them at, in Boston, which, like I say, back in the day, a game seven in Boston was pretty much. If you're the road team, forget about it. it. How many times did it take Detroit to get over the hump uh, at the Boston Garden back in the 80s? You know, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, you know, uh, it just – you pretty much had to steal one in Boston in game one or game three. And that's what made me think Philadelphia stealing game one in Boston. I thought, you know, with them with home court, they had the opportunity to do it. But boy, oh, boy, Jason Tatum took over, had a game for the ages – 51 points last night, and, uh, you know, he was able to help carry Boston, which turned out to be a rather easy mat, easy game, 7, 112 to 88, the final score. And now everybody's wondering, you know, another game 7 collapse. Philadelphia, yeah, they're mired in that right now. They're stuck. Should have beat Toronto a few years ago. They can't get past the second round. And what Doc Rivers now has lost 10 game sevens as a head coach. 
you know, but okay. Doc Rivers, you know, I, I've been on here. I've had guests on here that have a lot more basketball knowledge than I do saying that Doc Rivers may be a tad overrated as a head coach. Yes. He took Boston to a championship back in 2009. I believe it was got to a finals right after that. But boy, in the last 10 to 12 years, he's been in situations with teams with a lot of talent and he's not able to get them over the hump. Whose fault is it though? with Philadelphia blowing that three games to two lead and then going into game seven and going into Boston and pretty much laying an egg. Is it James Harden? Is it Joel Embiid? Well, I think you know my answer. It's all on Joel Embiid in my opinion. Now, he was a no-show pretty much. You know, Him and James Harden, they obviously, they're the leaders, right? Joel Embiid, he goes on after the game and blames everybody but himself. Says it's not a two-man game. There are more of the players than him and Harden. Well, he's right about the James Harden part. Harden pretty much carried those guys to two of their three wins in the NBA in that second round against Boston. What did he had? Uh, you know, fifty or whatever in the opening game. Then he had forty-two, and he had forty-six in game one, I believe, and then uh, forty-two, I believe it was in game three at Philadelphia. I mean, he carried them to two of the three wins. You know, yes, he was a no-show in Game 7. I mean, he played abysmally in Game 7. It didn't look good. It was, you know, and he's a leader. So, you know, with that, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. You want to be a leader. You want to get paid all that money. I get it. you got to be one of the guys that show up. But Joel Embiid, you know, you got to ask for it. You've got to want it. And, I, you know, I watched it. I watched the highlights. I watched a good portion of the game. You know, he was non-existent. You know, he was – he was PO'd in game six because he didn't touch the ball the last four minutes. All right. Maybe uh, Doc Rivers should have made some adjustments, should have went to them and said, hey, you guys got to carry us. But Joel Embiid did not. It, it it just looked like to me that he didn't, you know, he can talk a good game, but it didn't look like he was willing to step up when he had to in game seven. And good players do that. You know, I was, I was listening to Vince Carter uh, earlier this morning talking about, some of the teams that he played on, you know, the Nets teams and whatever, the winning teams. And, you know, when he was playing with uh, Jason Kidd and uh, Steve Nash, and uh, they had the mentality, they had the IQ. Good players take over, even when your coach may not have the ability to see it, to let you guys take over. You know, he would tell, he said that kid would come up to him and say, hey, you know, I'm going to give it to you at half court. I'm going to give it to you at the wink. Just a nod and a wink. They had it. It's evident to me that Embiid and James Harden don't have it. And for Joel Embiid to come out after the game and blame everybody but himself, that just shows to me that, you know, he's not mature enough to handle that. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying he has to take all the blame, but don't throw the other guys out on the bus. You're going to tell me that, you know, you know, it's all on Maxi and it's all on Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris has carried you. I looked in that game too, and that, when uh, when Al Horford was dominating Joel Embiid on the defensive end. Now is is Embiid hurt? He better be, you know, because again, if he's that hurt, then you know, I'm assuming he's going to go in for surgery in the next couple of days. He didn't carry that team, and you know, I'm sorry, but you know, it's on Embiid to step up, and he's got to, you know, he's got to take some of the blame. And James Harden does too, and so does uh, Doc Rivers. Now, the next thing you're going to ask in Philadelphia is Doc Rivers going to be gone? Are they going to fire him? You know, we've seen what happened this weekend with Monty Williams. He's gone. To me, that's a joke. Uh, but that's the way it is now in the NBA and, and in professional sports. You don't get the leash that you used to have, even if you got guaranteed money. It's a win now mentality, man. Everybody's pouring so much money into this. So many trades, you know, Monty Williams gone in Phoenix. Is Doc Rivers going to be next? You know, uh, Budenholzer gone in Milwaukee. Nick Nurse in Toronto. I mean, that revolving door is turning. Um, Eastern Conference final matchup. Now we mentioned Boston and Miami. That's going to be, you know, is this going to be a letdown series? Now we talked about it last week when we had uh, Mike Carvalis on and we kind of mentioned it with Golden State and the Lakers in the Western Conference second round. Now you've got Miami against Boston. Is this going to be a letdown series? I look at Miami. Kudos to the Heat. You know, they, they, again, uh, Eric Spolstra, 
what more can you say about him as a head coach? He's got them believing. He's got that winning mentality. And the Knicks don't have it yet. They've got a good core. I think they've got a decent core of young guys. They're probably one big player away from getting over the hump. But this Knicks team reminds me a lot of the of the Detroit Pistons back in the early 80s before they were before they took that next step and became uh, NBA champions. Uh, they're learning. They're young. I thought Brunson played magnificently. I think you can build a team around him. But they're obviously a big uh, one more big player away. And, it, you know, it leads to my next question. Is Tom Thibodeau going to be the man to do that with his style of coaching? How long before they tune that out? The tough guy mentality, defense first. I don't know. But Miami, uh, they've got the elixir in Spolstra, obviously. Jimmy Butler, you know, he's one of the top players in the playoffs. He teams to show up, steps up his game. And, I, you know, I think he, I, I, it proved again here. Now they play Boston. It's going to be Boston with the home court advantage. I would have to lean towards the Celtics. I think they've just got a little more talent. I, I, I think they're much deeper than Miami. Miami's got a, a bunch of role players, but I just think that Boston is just going to be, they're going to wear them down, I think, ultimately. I think it could go six games, but I've got Boston uh, kind of, I, I think Boston's going to steal one in Miami, actually. Obviously, the key is going to be game one. If Miami can steal game one, maybe catch Boston a little tired after uh, playing the seventh game mentally, maybe they can steal one in Boston. And if they can get home court advantage, maybe it'll go six. But if it goes seven back to Boston, I don't see the Celtics losing. But I think actually I'm going to amend that. I think Boston's going to win this one in five. I just, I don't know. We'll see if Miami's got enough in the tank. They've got the winning mentality. Like I said, we'll have to wait and see. The Lakers, they dispatched Denver. Uh, in, or, I'm sorry, they dispatched uh, Golden State in six games. Now we've got our Western Conference final set. And uh, Western uh, Denver right now comes in minus 155 is the favorite. Uh, I think the Lakers are plus 125. Uh, for those of you Laker fans coming out of the woodwork, probably you're going to use that as the uh, disrespect card. I get it. That's the mentality of everybody now. You know, the you know, everybody hates us, whatever. Um, the big matchup I see, though, in the Western Conference final is going to be Jokic against Davis. I mean, LeBron obviously is going to have a say in it. I get it. As is um, Jamal Murray, you know, the Laker bench is coming through. But I just think I just think deep down the Nuggets may be a, a tad more talented. But you've got a guy, you've got a guy like LeBron who's been to the finals. He knows what it takes to get all the way there. Denver doesn't have that. Jokic, you know, he's great to me. He was the MVP this year. Um, and he's playing lights out right now. Uh, can the Lakers get a full series out of uh, Anthony Davis? That's always going to be the question. Is he going to be, number one, be able to stay healthy? Number two, be able to hang with Jokic? I mean, it's going to be back and forth. Can Davis stay out of foul trouble? Can Jokic not be a knucklehead? I mean, that's those are the two questions right there. Can Los Angeles take him out of his game? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. But that's going to be the matchup that I look at in the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, well, I, I honestly, deep down, I think Denver's going to win this one, but I think it might go seven. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers steal one in Denver, but I can see the Denver Nuggets stealing one in, in uh, L.A. They were able to go to Phoenix and steal game six or win game six to pretty much knot it up. It's going to be interesting. You know, can the Lakers handle the altitude in Denver? But uh, you've got the star, the power of Los Angeles, with being LeBron and uh, and Anthony Davis and Jamal Murray and Jokic. Those are the duo matchups we talked about. Top five duos last week with uh, Mike Carvalis, and here's another example of two duos who's going to come through. I've got Denver winning. I think it's going to go to the distance. I think Denver's going to win in seven, but uh, it's going to be an, uh, another fun series. And again, is this a letdown series? You know, with Los Angeles and uh, and Golden State, the marquee names. Is it uh, or now is it going to be with uh, is and also with with uh, like we said with Boston and Philadelphia? Can this live up? Can this compare to the hype of Los Angeles and uh, Golden State? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, you know, it should be a fun watch. I really believe it will. What does Golden State do now? 
What do they do with uh, Thompson, with Clay Thompson, with uh, Draymond Green? Do they keep him? Jordan Poole. Uh, obviously, there's some friction there. They signed Poole to that big contract. Is he tradable? One of the things that you got to look at next year with Golden State, $71 million will be tied up between uh, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole. Thompson disappeared in the playoffs. No doubt about it. He had one good game, and that's it. I mean, he's a 34-year-old, but his body, with the injuries that he's gone through, is he going to be able to keep it up? I mean, I still think that uh, Steph Curry is uh, the, the best shooting guard in the league, if not all time. Do they keep them together for one more run? How do they tweak it? Do they get rid of uh, Wiggins and try to get more capital to make one more run? Capital, I mean ball players. Those are questions that are going to be fun to watch in the offseason with the Golden State Warriors to see if they can maintain. You know, one last question um, with the Lakers. I want to go back to them for a minute. You know, we, had, we talked about the Warriors. Where do they go from here? But does Rob Palenka, you know, he's been taking so much grief over the last few years. Is Does he get enough credit for putting together this team that they were able to put together at the deadline? Because since the deadline, the Lakers have been playing the best ball in the NBA. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for it. I mean, he should, but I don't know if he does. And uh, I think that uh, with what they've done at the deadline and all the run that they've had, you know, the Lakers, I, you got to give them credit. You know, I like the trades they made. And so give them his due. And like we mentioned with uh, the Warriors, where do they go from here now? Uh, that's going to be an interesting offseason. You know, Steve Kerr came out and said, you know, they didn't have a team built for a championship. What You know, you read between the lines if you want on that. What do you make of that? Is it easier to say that after you've uh, lost the series to the Lakers? I don't know. It They had no answer for Anthony Davis. And uh, that uh, they've got to get something. They've got to find some way to be able to contain a guy like that. So if they didn't have any answer for Anthony Davis, if they were able to have gotten past the Lakers, then they probably wouldn't have had an answer for Jokic either. So, anyways, that's uh, you know, it's going to be a fun conference final season right now. They start tomorrow night with Denver and Los Angeles kicking it off in Denver, game one of the Western Conference Finals. Then on Wednesday, it's going to be Boston and Miami. So, we're down to the final four in the NBA. Real quick on uh, the NBA before we go to a quick break and then we'll talk Stanley Cup playoffs. John Moran again. You know, here's one of the so-called faces of the NBA, one of the young, young and up-and-coming rising stars. Uh, he's in a lot of hot water again for the Instagram post with him flashing a gun. You know, and I see the post, you know, what's wrong with it? There's nothing illegal with it. He didn't shoot it, whatever. Well, you know what? He's been through this before. He got an eight-game suspension, which you can argue if it's too light, whatever. He got a second chance. You know, some people saying suspending him is wrong. Well, you know what? The NBA is his employer. You know, I don't want to hear the, he's a kid, you know, he's got to grow up. No, 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 no. You make one mistake, you get a second chance, boom. You're employed by the NBA. If they tell you not to do this. It's not good for the league. We don't like it for our look. You know, that's like with me working for, I work for Coca-Cola. If I'm out on the clock drinking a Pepsi, it's right in the rules. I get let go. Do I agree with the rule? I don't know, but it's their rule. You got to abide by it. I don't know what else to do for him. You know, you can say he's under a lot of pressure, blah, blah, blah. You know, I get it. You know, he said all the right things in March. You know, he let down the city, whatever. Was he contrite? Right now, it doesn't look like it. He's young enough where, yeah, he can still learn from it. But my question is, is he willing to learn from it? Will he ever learn from it? Will missing 80 games or 40 games next year be enough to deter him? I don't know. But sooner or later, you know, you got to learn from your mistakes. You got to take accountability. And it's obviously he hasn't and he hasn't learned. And maybe it's good for him from a personal standpoint to get a kick in the gonads or a kick in the head you know, or whatever to say, hey, you're going to sit out next year. You're going to learn from this. We don't know what else to do from an NBA standpoint, but to tell you, you can't play. These are our rules, and you continue to break them. There's enough players on that team. He's got enough so-called handlers and, you know, his support team or whatever, his posse, whatever you want to call it. There's got to be people there telling him, don't do this. Don't be a knucklehead. 
But like, it's like I heard this morning, people are afraid. They want to hang out with them. They want to enable them. And if they go to them and tell them not to do it, then they're not going to be, they're going to tell them to get out of his circle. And they want to be in his circle. So they don't want to tell them to stop it. Who's going to be that person to tell him to knock it off? Obviously, his dad's not doing it. Um, I mean, it's up to the NBA now. This is where it's going to – we're going to see if this will change his mind because I guarantee you, you know, he's already been suspended by the team from all team activities. The NBA is going to step in, and they're going to probably tell him, look, if you don't – you know, he's out at least – you know, I would imagine he's going to get half a year. And to me, that's worth it. If he should probably, maybe he'll get a full year. I don't know, but it's ridiculous. And I don't feel sorry for the guy. I'm sorry. Did I feel sorry for him back in March? Uh, not really, but you know, I heard that oh, he's a kid, he's young, he's gonna make mistakes. All right, whatever. We all make mistakes. You know, I'm not perfect, I get it, but getting a second opportunity, all right, he got that second opportunity, and obviously he didn't learn it, or his friends didn't learn it, his handlers, whatever. Whoever he was with in that car flashing a gun, you know, they took the Instagram video, even though it was deleted, it's out there. That's social media. If you don't know it by now, then I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, John Morant deserves the suspension. You know, maybe it'll maybe it'll be that wake up call. I hate to see anybody lose their job. I hate to see I hate to see anybody get in trouble. But sooner or later, that's the only way that you're going to learn from this mistake is hit him where they hurt. If he truly wants to be that NBA superstar, that role model, you know, he's, you know, will Nike uh, suspend business with him? You know, with that shoe that just came out, you know, the Jaw One. I don't know. I wouldn't buy it. You know, for, I wouldn't buy it for my kids either. That's, you know, that's just too bad. But yeah, that's too, that's crazy. Well, all right, that's gonna do it for the NBA. We're gonna um, switch gears here. We're gonna put the basketball away and talk a little bit about uh, the Stanley cup playoffs. They're getting down to the nitty gritty. We've got one conference final matchup all set, but first I want to tell you a little bit about mahlerbros.com. You know, when you're golfing and the sun's beating down and you know, you're, you're sweating. It's your golf game is suffering a little bit. I know what you want to do and you can't do it is take your shirt off to try to beat the heat. Well, I got to tell you something. I've got just the answer that'll help your golf game. I just know it mentally anyways, and it'll make you feel good. That's MahlerBros.com. They've got such a wide variety of great, stretchy, lightweight polos that will hug your body and will make you feel good and make you feel cool while you're on the golf course. And as we always say here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza, if you look good, you feel good. You feel good, you're going to play good. It's going to get you that mentality that, yeah, I can do it. I can I can hit that ball. I can hit that the extra 30 yards. I can make that 20-yard putt. I can put it within two feet of the hole to, to uh, save that par. Let MahlerBros.com let you feel good in doing it. They've got all different kind of designs for their polos. You can look wild. You can you They can see it three holes down with that loud, uh, vibrant polo, or if you like me, more of a solid color, sleek-looking, whatever, conservative look. It's whatever makes you feel good, and Mahler Bros has that. They've also got a great supply of T-shirts, tumblers, uh, cups, you name it. Check out MahlerBros.com. It's on the bottom of the screen, M-A-H-L-E-R-B-R-O-S.com. Use the promo code BELLYUP2, and you'll get 15% off your discount or off of your purchase. Again, that's MahlerBros.com. Can't say it enough. They're a great sponsor here on Belly Up Sports and also on uh, the Captain Lou Extravaganza. MahlerBros.com. Use the promo code BELLYUP and you'll get 15% off your discount. That's MahlerBros.com. All right, Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's get into those now as uh, we roll on here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. You're on the Captain Lou Sports Network on YouTube. We invite you to check out our uh, YouTube channel, Captain Lou Sports Network. Subscribe to it. We've got all of our shows on archive. We got the games that we've done for Aquinas College Hockey. Uh, our ACHA Power Play podcast that we did over the last year. We will have that back as well coming up in the fall when their season kicks up. But again, thank you for joining us. We are powered up by Belly Up Sports. Stanley Cup playoffs, as we mentioned, game six last night in Edmonton. 
It was Vegas and it was Edmonton. And uh, wow, what a start to that game. 30 seconds in, I believe it was, Vegas took advantage of a turnover. And uh, Skinner, really nothing he could do on that one. Vegas jumps up one nothing, And then about a minute later, back-to-back goals by Edmonton. We're looking at a 2-1 game, what, 100 seconds into the game or something like that. And I'm thinking, holy cow, this is going to be a 10-9 shootout, an old 1980s-style Edmonton playoff game back when they were playing the Red Wings in the Western Conference Finals or uh, the Prince, whatever it was back then, the Campbell Conference. But, uh, yeah, Vegas decided in the second period it was the Jonathan Marshall show, a natural hattie, three goals in the second period, and they jumped out to a 4-2 to lead after 40 minutes and then got the empty net goal to clinch it. 5-2, to two, Vegas dispatches of Edmonton in game six. They win it in six games. Canada's drought now. It's actually, that's a mistake I should probably, uh, I will, um, just as I was reading that, let me um, edit that real quick for us here. Canada's drought now is at 30 for the Stanley Cup as um, they had an all, I was looking at the all-Canadian final that I predicted uh, the last time two teams played each other in the Stanley Cup finals from Canada was 1989 with Calgary and uh, Montreal. But uh, Canada's drought now hits 30 with the Canadiens, the last winning team back in 1993. Now, I you know read some things afterwards, and Edmonton didn't lose this series, okay? Oh, yeah, they lost it, but Vegas won it. More often than not, you look at, well, what didn't Leon Dreisaitl do? What didn't Connor McDavid do? What didn't Skinner do and net blah, blah, blah? What did Vegas do? They overpowered them. Uh, this was a series of, you know, uh, most of them were blowout wins. One team dominated the other. But it seemed like, you know, after the suspension with, uh, you know, Petrangelo for game five, Vegas rallied around that. It was 2-2 going back to Vegas. And they came out and they, you know, they they took care of Edmonton at home in game five. And, you know, it, it was it was wild as you went in before the game. Uh, Edmonton was 4-0 and after, you know, uh, you know, uh, or, I'm sorry, Vegas was 4-0 after a loss, you know, and Edmonton, you know, they looked like they were primed to win. But Vegas, you got to give them credit. Uh, you know, they call themselves the lovable misfits or whatever. I tell you, they're starting to peak at the right time. And Edmonton, you know, we talk about the New York Knicks, the winning mentality. How about Toronto? Same thing. Edmonton now, they've got to learn how to win the big games, the big series, you know, how much patience do you have with Edmonton, though? And, uh, you know, they've got, you know, two of the best players in the game, if not, you know, two of the top five. You know, I mean, Jack Eichel, though he came through for for uh, Vegas throughout the series. Uh, Marsha Schultz, again, with the hat trick. Mark Stone, what can you say about him? Love the grittiness. Uh, you talk about stepping up. Coming through two back surgeries this year, being able to, you know, get active and be able to contribute like he has in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, now they've got uh, – they're going to await the winner of Game 7 between Dallas and Seattle, and that's tonight. What does uh, – you know, what what Dallas team is going to show up? What Jake Ottinger game is, team is going to show up? Ottinger, he's 0-1 in Game 7s. I think Dallas is 3-5 and in uh, Game 7 scenarios going into tonight. Uh it's really going to be it's going to be interesting to see. On the other side, you've got Jaden Schwartz five and zero in Game Sevens. Justin Schultz has never lost a Game Seven. Uh, Dallas coach Peter DeBoer is six and zero in Game Seven. Uh, this will be this just the second Game Seven for the Kraken. They beat Colorado, so you know they played a Game Seven. This is going to be fun tonight. Which team is going to show up? And that's the thing you don't know. Joel Pavelski has played in nine Game Sevens. He's six and three. Tyler Seguin, four and three. I mean, those are in the past. This is going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. What about Grubauer? You know, you've got him against Ottinger. This Ottinger. This is going to be just, it, it, it's a coin toss, and it really is. How much is home ice going to matter? This year, it really hasn't. But, you know, the pressure, you know, pressure's on both teams. Well, you know, let's say it, you know. Uh, you, you can talk, you know, Dave Haxtall is one and zero in game sevens. Obviously, you know, they've only played one. 
So I don't know. I mean, you tell me. It's going to come down to goaltending. You know, obviously in the old cliche is, uh, you know, who makes the first mistake or the last mistake? You know, is it going to go to overtime? I mean, you know, there's so much, so many different variables tonight in game seven. That's what makes it great. And it's win or go home. And, who, you know, it, the way things are going, it'll probably go to overtime tonight. And, you know, the fortunate thing for us on the East Coast, it's at 8 o'clock and not 10 o'clock. And, you know, I, I got to say this real quick about, uh, you know, all the all the hullabaloo about, you know, the ESPN coverage last night here in the States for game seven uh, or for the Edmonton game starting at 10 o'clock for starters, which, you know, I get it. You know, a lot of people upset. I didn't make it through the whole game. I went to bed after the end of the second period or I fell asleep uh, here on the East coast. I had to get up super early this morning for physical therapy on my uh, foot uh, recovering from surgery, but a lot of folks on the East coast and uh, you didn't maybe get to stay up all the way to watch it. And then equally, everybody's a little pissed off because on ESPN, they split screened it with the baseball game. That was a blowout. Well, what, what I don't get is everybody's acting like this is the first time something like this happened. And it doesn't just happen to the NHL. If they've got a game on first, I don't care if it's college football, MLB, whatever, um, college basketball, women's, whatever. If it runs over, then the other game, the late starting game, I don't care if it's game seven or whatever. It's always moved to ESPN2 or ESPNU. Uh, TNT does it. You know, they start their game. They, they move it over to True TV, which is harder to get than going to ESPN2. I don't understand the complaining. You guys act like it's never happened before. You know, I get it. The ESPN coverage of the NHL has been abysmal. I mean, you know, they're trying to be too cutesy. They're trying to make it. They're copying maybe a little bit too much of the TNT coverage for uh, the NBA, which is head and shoulders above everybody else as far as studio coverage. Um, I just, I, I don't get it. You know, not everybody can be Doc Emery. You know, I love Doc and he set the bar so high. And I think everybody thinks that it should be that way, you know, and it, this, a lot of it, I think falls on Bettman, but ESPN threw the money at him and he took it and you should have known going in. This is what the kind of coverage you're going to get. So, my God, yeah, it was split screen. You could have turned the next channel, the ESPN two. They perp they set it right on the tape, right during the ball game. The start of the game will be on ESPN two. We'll pick it up, you know, when the baseball game's over. Folks, it's not that hard to turn the channel. Come on, people like to complain just to complain. You know, everybody's a keyboard warrior, and I just don't get it. And I, you know, come on, just let it go, let it go. Let's focus on the games and not the coverage. I mean, you know, you're just gonna. I don't know what else to say on that. Florida took care of Toronto in game five in overtime. You know, the improbable run continues. Florida, in my opinion, we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, with Bobrowski, he's getting hot. And we've, you know, in years past, it's always been whoever's got the hottest goaltender usually makes that run, especially for a lower seeded team. Well, Bobrowski's now starting to uh, make that come to fruition because he's playing great. And uh, he's stymied Toronto. And I just I don't know what else to say about Toronto. You know, where do they go from here? Uh, it, You know, they took a baby step by finally getting over the first uh, first round hump by dispatching of Tampa. You know, they run into a buzzsaw in Florida. You know, it was one of those things. Be careful what you wish for. Florida took it to them. It was like they had Toronto on their heels throughout the whole series. You know, especially game three. That's the one that really stood out to me. Obviously, game one, you could say, all right, the emotion, you know, they, they, the adrenaline fell off and they, you know, they, they couldn't maintain it. All right. Well, you thought they would have won game two. And they just, they played passive. Game three, I just, what, it just, game three is the one that just showed me that Toronto just does not have that killer mentality. And I don't know how they get it. They've got by far one of the more talented teams in the NHL. You look at Tavares, you look at Matthews, you look at Marner. Uh, you know, that just to name a few, they've got, you know, three of the top team, uh, talented players in the league. I mean, where else do you go from here? You know, uh, the defense to me, isn't that bad goaltending, you know, obviously Samsonov getting hurt didn't help, but I thought wall played good, but they played passive defensively in game three. You know, they weren't attacking. It was like they were holding back and, and, you know, Florida took advantage of it. 
They're the, they, you know, Maurice out coached them. And I give credit to Paul Maurice. You know, I, I always question if he was the right guy to be a head coach, if he's a retread. Well, that retread's got Florida playing in the Eastern Conference Finals now. And our babies, what are they going to do in Toronto now? Is Dubas going to leave? Whatever. I mean, he put him in place. I don't blame, I, I don't get it. I mean, what else does Toronto need to do? That's going to be the big question this offseason. Baby steps aren't enough. What Now, are they going to say next year the Eastern Conference Finals is good enough? Those fans don't want that. I get it. But, you know, you talk about making coaching changes. Do they make another coaching change? I don't I don't believe so. They got to go out and get goaltending. I, you know, I mean, is Samsonov going to be the answer next year? Would he have been the difference? I doubt it because, I, like I said, I didn't think Wall played that bad. But, you know, and they the the lethargic, lackadaisical effort at times just, again, proved the, the adage, you can't take any periods off. I don't care if it's a seven-game series. Momentum is so big. And Toronto just, it looked like, you know, the, you know that, that tired cliche of Florida wanting it more. It sure looked like it. And, you know, and it looked like, you know, Toronto just, it's like the, you could see it. It's almost like they just went, here we go again at the end of the first period. Uh, and in the end of the second period in that game five. Then they tied it up. They got the game-tying goal. And I thought, okay, here we go. It was like – and that goal was – it was a no goal. It, they made the right call. They made the right call. And then – but it looked like all of a sudden they were defeated. Then they got that game-tying goal, and I thought, all right, here we go. But in overtime, again, it was – it was like Florida – they wanted it more. And I just – it's mind-boggling to me that they would say that. It's it just it's crazy. So now we got an Eastern Conference final. Carolina and Florida. We talk about it. Bobrovsky gaining momentum and net for the for the Panthers, and a very interesting uh, matchup. We got three brothers going against each other: Eric and Mark Stahl for the Panthers, and then Jordan Stahl for the Hurricanes. That's going to be a nice little fun tidbit to watch in that series when that begins. But uh, again, Florida's goal ten goal. If you're looking at goaltending, Florida's is hot. Carolina's is steady. You know, they've got Anderson and they've got Ranta. Uh, Brabowski, ever since he came in, he didn't start the playoffs, but, you know, he's he's got the hot hand. Who's got the more balanced team? Momentum against balance. I think Carolina's a more, a more deep team, but, you know, so was Toronto and so was Boston. Boston's probably the, you know, obviously they had the best record uh, in – NHL history for a single season. What did that get them? A first-round exit. So now it's going to be I, – I still, I think Carolina is going to win. I think this one could go to the distance, though. I really think it's going to go seven games, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. So well, I can't wait for that to start out. And, you know, it's – you know, the NHL schedule makers, obviously, the brass, they wanted a quote-unquote big market team to be in the Stanley Cup Finals in the East. You got Carolina and Florida. It's that to me is ironic. It's funny, and but uh, they're the two best teams right now. Obviously, playing Carolina steady all year, uh, right up near the top. Uh, they took care of New Jersey, like we said. New Jersey had a good run. They're another team. They've got to learn how to win. It, that winning mentality is so big. Uh, Rod Brindamore brought it as he's won in, as a co as a player. Uh, we'll see if he can get Carolina back to the top of the mountain as a coach. Um, I just think I like their balance. I got Carolina going in seven. So, but, you know, again, we've got a game seven tonight, as we mentioned, Dallas and the Kraken in Seattle, of Seattle in Dallas, eight o'clock tonight. Should be a dandy. The winner of that will take on Vegas. And uh, and then if it's Vegas and Dallas, oh my gosh, that's going to be one heck of a matchup. And um, one other take, uh, take I want to bring out of uh, the game or the series between Edmonton and Vegas. What I love about that is now we're going to get a, uh, a rivalry, if it hasn't already been built, now it's going to be taken to the next level. You know, the handshake line thing with Dreisaitl and, Pian- and Petrangelo, man, this is just reminds me so much of Colorado and Detroit from back in the 90s. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm looking forward to. That's, the NHL needs that. I think pro sports need that. They don't need, you know, the dirty play kind of rivalry, but they need a hated rivalry. I don't think we have that anymore like we used to. There's no love lost between Vegas and Edmonton, none. And I think that's healthy for the league. I don't know if we have that in any other sports right now. 
You don't you didn't have you don't have that with the Warriors and the Lakers. And that's fine. Whatever. It's the new age. I get it. It's you know they hang out together in the offseason. You know, they 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 talk to each other before the game. You never used to see that back in the 70s, baseball and football. You didn't go and shake each other each other's hand 10 minutes before tip. You didn't talk to them. I mean, it's just it's a different mentality now. And if I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I prefer it to be where if you talk to them maybe in the off season, but not during the season or before a game like that, and these two teams don't like each other. There's no love lost. There's been some blood spilled. You know, I think uh, Evander Kane was lucky he didn't get suspended. And I know Vegas doesn't like him. And Petrangelo, he got a game suspension. I get it why they did it. I don't disagree with it. I was surprised by it. I don't disagree with it. But, yeah, there's no love lost between those two teams, and I love it. And I think that's what builds, you know, a great rivalry. We need some of those. We don't have those rivalries like Detroit and Colorado or, you know, Montreal and Toronto or Detroit and Chicago back in the day or like even in the other sports either. It's just, you know, it, it I don't know. Guys are just too friendly. So anyways, let's wrap up the show here. They had the schedule released last week. We talked about a little bit on Friday. Um, I just wanted to kind of give, you know, just something fun. You know, everybody is the eternal optimist. When the schedules are released, the offseason, everybody with the draft, everybody thinks they're going to win 15 games, go to the NFC title game, and, uh, you know, potentially, you know, whatever. And, I, you know, the division that's uh, near and dear to my heart, the NFC North with our Detroit Lions, uh, you know, they've uh, – you talk about hope springing eternal. With They're the, they're the darlings right now. Everybody thinks they're, they're going to dethrone the Green Bay Packers. All the odds makers have Detroit winning the division. And that's scary. It really is. But what I wanted to do real quick is kind of take a look at the at their schedules and give, you know, uh, uh, predictions on it. You know, first of all, you know, we'll take a look at Detroit's. And, uh, you know, we'll just take a peek at it. And, uh, you know, can they live up to the hype? I look at their schedule. And I look at Detroit's schedule. You know, they start out, obviously – Everybody's talking about the Chiefs. Do they deserve to be on uh, the opening game of the year? And, uh, you know, I, I think it was it Mike Florio brought up a great point from uh, uh, NBC Football Talk in America or whatever. He said that game was going to draw huge numbers no matter what, whether you put the Eagles on there for the Super Bowl rematch or whatever, a game against Dallas, whatever. Detroit's going to bring in huge numbers that opening week, and it get, you know, which I agree totally. Can Detroit handle the hype? Now, you know, if they get blown out in that game, how does it affect them? If they lose a close one, if they win, how will they be able to handle it if they win? But I look at this schedule for Detroit. They start out with the Chiefs. Then they've got their home to Seattle and the Falcons. Then they go to Green Bay. Now, Seattle, are they as good as they were last year? You know, if you look at them from what they did last year, this is going to be a tough start to the season. I could see Detroit very easily going 2-2. Two and two. Or maybe even one and three. They go to Green Bay. Green Bay's down, but you know we'll look at Green Bay's schedule in a moment. They've got some winnable games to open up the year. Green Bay could potentially start out hot. You know, Panthers and the Buccaneers; those are winnable games. So I mean, Detroit could rebound. I could see four and two going to the Ravens. I mean, come on, you know that would be a surprise if they won there. But then they've got winnable games, in my opinion. The next four. This is where they can make hay. Home to the Raiders on Monday night, home to the Bears, home to the Packers. You know, they could go three and one. So get back to maybe like a seven and four start. Then they got to go to the Saints and the Bears. Those are going to be, you know, one and one, I think, is being smart. That's eight and five. Home to the Broncos, a winnable game. They'd be nine and five. Then they got three tough games. If they can win one of the, they've got to be, in my opinion, nine and five going into the last three games to get to 10 wins. Going to the Cowboys, who knows what the Cowboy team is going to show up. It's always tough. It's going to be on national TV. Then you're at the Vikings and then home to the Vikings. So two divisional games in three weeks. I could very realistically see a 10-7 and record for Detroit. Now, and is that going to be enough to get them where they need to be? Is that going to be enough to win the division? I don't know. But here's my thing. And, you know, I'll say the same thing about, like, a team like the New York Jets. They're in the spotlight now. They got what they want. 
you know, respect, whatever, you know, Detroit fans for years saying we don't get any respect, blah, blah, blah. Detroit's on four nationally televised games four times. Three of them on the road. Keep that in mind. They've got one game besides Thanksgiving. And uh, that's going to be at home against uh, the Raiders. So, you know, it's time for Detroit to take that next step. I think the schedule sets up. I still think they can win 11 games. I could see 11 and 6. I think that would be enough to win the division this year. But I look at some of these other schedules. Green Bay, the odds makers have them at 7.5. Now, you know me. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not a Packer fan. All right? They've been my heated rival forever. You know, since I could walk, since my dad flipped my plate over and told me I'll never eat another dinner in our house again if I'm not a Lions fan, and I was four years old at the time. Let's take a look at the schedule for the Packers, all right? Two winnable games off the top, at Chicago and at the Falcons, okay? I mean, they're on the road, I get it, but they're winnable road games. Then they're home to the Saints and the Lions. Now, let's face it, 3-1 and one is not an unrealistic expectation for the Packers and this is a great start for Jordan Love to get you know his feet under him then they're at the Raiders and Broncos you know I know they're two road games but you know I'm telling you that there's a chance then they're at the Vikings and the Rams those are winnable games at home too in my opinion so let's say out of those first eight games it's very realistic that Green Bay could go five and three that's so seven and a half is their over under then the meat of their schedule they've got. They're at the Steelers, at the Lions, home to the Chiefs. they got to go to the Giants and home to the Chargers. Okay, let's. so that's five games right there. Let's say they go two and three there. So they're seven and five. That's realistic in my book. Then they've, they've got Tampa at home. They're at the Panthers, at the Vikings, and versus the Bears. You tell me they can't go two and two in those last four? So, you know, I like to put a few shackles down on this. To me, Green Bay seven and a half over under. That's way too low. And I'm telling you, I'm going to the bank. I'm going, I'm, I'm taking the over on Green Bay. I really believe that they can get to nine wins at least. Now, Minnesota for real, I don't know. I, you know, you know, they had won so many one score games last year. What were they, 11 and 0? We all know that's not going to happen again. You know, I look at their schedule. I mean, they open up home to the Buccaneers, probably a win. They go to Philadelphia. We'll call that a loss. You know, they've got the Chiefs at home, the Panthers on the road, the Bears on the road. I mean, in their first six games, they could be easily 4-2. 49ers, that's going to be a toss-up. You never know going to Green Bay. Falcons, you know, a road, you know, a good chance to win that one. You know, home to the Saints, home to the Bears. At the Broncos, that three-game stretch right there, very winnable games, four-game stretch right there. They could very easily go 4-0 there. Then they're at the Raiders and at the Bengals. The Vikings, the end of their season is difficult. At the at the Bengals, they go to L.A. or to Vegas, which that's a winnable game. But then two of their last – or all three of their last games are um, uh, divisional games at home against the Lions and the Packers and then against the Lions in Detroit. You know, tough rivalry games. They could win two of those maybe. Minnesota's looking at 11 wins. You know, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic. But then I look at Chicago. Now, Chicago last year took – they were in last. And I know they're a young team. You know, know, they've – I just – I know, I know. And maybe, again, my NFC North bias is coming through on this one. But hear me out. Let's – Take a look at the schedule real quick. Open up with the Bear with the Packers at home. To me, that's a winnable game. Tampa Bay is not going to set the world on fire. You you know, but it's a road game. Then they're at the Chiefs. All right, let's say one and two, maybe zero and three. Okay, Broncos at home at the Commanders, Vikings at home, Raiders at home. I'm telling you, they could win three of those games. So all of a sudden, you're looking at three and four. Then they got the Chargers and at the Saints. Okay, three and six, and they're home to the Panthers. You know, they win that one. I, I don't know. I mean, the end of the year sets up really well for Chicago to win their last three games, or two of the last three, home to the Cardinals, home to the Falcons. At Green Bay could be difficult. They've got the Lions at home. Over the years, they've had pretty good success against the Lions. 
at the Browns is going to be tricky. I think the Browns are going to be a little bit better than people give them credit for. The Browns schedule is, you know, we can look at that later on in the year. We will do that. But I look at that and I think, man, they've got a chance. The Browns with that easy schedule could win 10, 11 games. I think they're going to be a surprise team in the AFC. But anyways, I could see, realistically see, three teams in the NFC North with nine or ten wins. I could see the Packers doing it, and I could see, the, obviously, the Lions and the Vikings. I, I just The way the schedule flows out for Detroit, the divisions that they play outside of their own aren't the greatest. So I'm telling you, the way it shakes out, call me crazy. But right now, the best bet that I see is over for Green Bay at 7.5. And, a half. and I, I just I, I think that they've got a young enough core. And, I, you know, it's all going to hinge on Jordan Love. And I – they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So if he's got any motivation at all, it's going to be this year to do well, and I think he can. And we'll wrap it up with, uh, again, another look at the Jets. You know, the only reason I bring this up is it kind of reminds me of what the Lions and the Jets are kind of in the same boat this year. You know, they're both – I don't want to say going in uncharted waters, more so for Detroit, but the Jets haven't been relevant in a decade. <clears throat> the Lions, you know, they've – Kind of knocked on the door of relevancy a few times, gotten in the playoffs uh, three three years in a lot out of the last decade. And they've lost each game, um, you know. But this is their opportunity. The Jets are going to be the media darlings all year, all year. You know, they're going to be on. If they're not on national TV, they're on the late window. I think they've only got two one o'clock games, if I'm not mistaken. But can that young team handle it? You can have Aaron Rodgers. I get it. <clears throat> he can bring in character guys like Reggie Cobb, and he's got Alan Lazard. You know, I don't know if Mercedes Lewis might come there. Who knows? Uh, Mason Crosby, Chester Markle. I don't know. But um, can that young crew of players, they're talented, but can they handle all the pressure? And can they handle being in that spotlight? You know, it's winning's not something that you gain overnight. Few people can do it. It's a process, and I don't know if the Jets can handle it. They've got a tough, tough schedule, and you know it's it could very easily blow up in their face. They could go two and four, or one and five, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Well, hey, wow, this hour's flown by. We're gonna wrap it up here shortly. Want to remind you, we've got a great group of guests coming up this week. On Wednesday, we're gonna be joined by Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson Show, um, <clears throat> uh, Voice of Canadian sports for a lot of years. Wanted to talk to him, and he's big, obviously big voice in hockey. Um, he's been around the league a long time. Uh, he just had his thousandth episode of the Rod Peterson Show. He's going to join us on Wednesday. We're going to talk Stanley Cup with him. Uh, also, like to kind of gauge the state of the CFL. They're coming into uh, their season here pretty quick. They're going to start their regular season and things going on in Calgary with uh, the new stadium being built up there. And uh, we'll kind of get his take on what's going on with the NBA and the world of or the NFL and the world of sports. He's going to be gracious with his time. He's going to join us at right at the top of the hour Wednesday at ten o'clock. And then we promised Ryan Schuling last week uh, uh, from uh, the lead producer for six thirty K N O W in Denver, but he's going to be on with us. He's a was a local radio personality for a lot of years here in the uh, Michigan area. We're going to talk transfer portal in college sports. We're also going to talk Colorado football with prime time coach prime and what the effect that's had in the Denver area and uh, Colorado football. And also we'll get his take on the Denver nuggets now getting into the Western conference finals. You know what the buzz is, is it, uh, is it taken off in Denver? Cause you know, we all know they run under the radar in uh, Denver for sure. In uh, the, in the league rather not Denver. I apologize in the league. They don't get the media hype that, the Los Angeles and New York teams get uh, justified or not. And on Friday, Mitch Bernstein from the Burn with Mitch podcast. He's a regular on the show as well. We're going to talk. Um, we're going to talk NBA or, uh, Major League Baseball with him. And so, really looking forward to talking with Mitch. It's the quarter poll for Major League Baseball coming up with uh, uh, Memorial Day. We're going to see who's hot and who's not, and uh, you know, we'll talk to him as well. So. Anyways, that's going to do it. Oh, real quick, uh, melancholy fare thee well to Doyle Brunson, Texas Dolly, the uh, 
godfather of uh, professional poker, passed away yesterday at the age of 89. He was a mainstay on all the shows. You could watch him on High Stakes Poker. Uh, one of the, um, I don't know, one of the, again, one of the trailblazers for uh, professional poker, the World Series of Poker out in Vegas. Saw him on all the shows. Uh, a great ambassador to the game. So wise, you know, even amongst his years as he got older, always fun to watch him. What a personality. Uh, the poker world and the world in general lost a great personality in Texas Dolly. Doyle Brunson passed away at the age of 89. So we want to say uh, our condolences to him and his family. Also, Denny Crum, a legendary coach of uh, the Louisville Cardinals for 30 years. Probably most, if not one of the most underrated coaches in college basketball history, coaching in the coaching profession as a whole, passed away uh, at the age of 86, I believe he was. Coached for 30 years with Louisville. Got him a national title, always in national prominence was uh, Denny Crum, and uh, again, uh, our condolences to his family as uh, he passed away at the age of 86. All right, everybody, we will see you Wednesday. Looking forward to it, 10 a.m. Eastern time. You're on the Captain Lou Extravaganza. Thanks for joining us on the Captain Lou Sports Network here on YouTube. And again, we are powered up by Belly Up Sports. Check out our website, bellyupsports.com, and uh, they've got a complete list of all of our podcasts and, of course, uh, all of our stories that we have on the website. We've got a great group of guys and gals working behind the scenes and, of course, in front of the camera and with the mighty pen. So we want to say thanks to Belly Up for letting us be a small part of the family. And, again, we're sponsored, as always, here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza by MahlerBros.com, Mahler Bros Golf. It's the, where you need to go for all your apparel to uh, look good, feel good, and play good. That's MahlerBros.com. Use the promo code BellyUp. For 15% off your your discount or your purchase, rather. That's MahlerBros.com. All right, everybody. Hey, keep your heads up. Keep your feet moving. Keep your sticks down. And as always, keep your minds open. Good day, everybody. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for joining us here on the Captain Lou Extravaganza on the Captain Lou Sports Network. So long.